0: Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. Despite the confusing name, this is the podcast for everyone in the government acquisition world, whether you work for the government side or the industry side. We're here to help you understand a little more about how the other side thinks. Today we're talking about how decisions are made in the government and how industry can influence those decisions. This is kind of a recurring topic on the podcast. You can join us in the Contracting Officer Podcast Network Group on LinkedIn if you want to discuss these kind of topics a little deeper. Okay, let's get started with today's episode. What are we talking about today? Decision makers again?
1: A community member would ask this question about how do I get to the decision maker?
0: Whoa. That that's yeah. not a simple question. And there's not really a simple answer there. Before you even get to that question, there's there are a whole lot of other questions. That need to be answered
1: yeah i like big questions like that because they're 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 fun to pick apart and answer one piece at a time
0: before we pick anything apart let's stop and say thanks
1: i want to say thanks this week to jeff newell jeff is the managing director of paragon analysis it's a studies and analysis firm in the washington dc area i'd like to thank jeff for liking and sharing our podcast content on linkedin but also, I'd like to thank Jeff specifically for a great question in the Skyway community forum. He asked about capturing end-of-year fund, the fallout funds. And we did end up making a podcast episode about that. It was a, episode 248. But we also recorded a video series for our members. And if you're a community member, it's available on the Skyway homepage, actually, at skywayacq.com. And it's a great example of, of Jeff asking you a really good question that we could create a podcast of, but we could also create some deeper content for our members. And if you're not a member yet, listen to the end of the episode. We'll have some details.
0: All right, back to decision makers. So the original question is, how do I get to the decision maker? Before you get to that, you have to think about how the decision is made. And before you get to that, you have to understand who the deciders are.
1: Who who decides how the decision is made? You follow that?
0: Right, And and it's unfortunately for industry, it's plural. In, in the government world, who decides, even though there might be a final decider, there are a lot of people involved in that decision. Back in episode 118, it was, it was called the three deciders. We talked about the three main influencers to the decision. And there's actually a training video for that as well within the Skyway community.
1: And we also talked about the complex sale in episode 225. And the definition of a complex sale is more than one person has a vote. <laughs> That's kind of the way to think of it government sales almost always are a complex sale because the contracting officer is not the only one making the decision. There are influencers.
0: So we have the three deciders. We have the complex sale where we talk about the technical sale versus the business sale. There's a whole bunch of other influencers that we've spoke about in those episodes and probably some that we missed along the way. It's not just the three deciders as in the contracting officer, the user, and the person with the money. There are Deputy program managers, there are contracting officers, representatives, and contracting officers, technical representatives, the cores and the COTARs.
1: Yeah, the the three the concept of the three deciders, if you think of them like groups of people, there are people that support the economic decider, like Congress, <laughs> that's one group in that club. And then there are people that, that support the user, like the, the core, the, uh, the assistant program manager, the support contractors. And then there's the contracting officer, the people that support that decider. And that could be the contract specialist. It could be, you could argue that the pricing and all the people that support the business side are under that. So the three deciders isn't meant to be three people sitting around a table flipping a coin. It's three groups of people represented by the people that lead each of those three groups.
0: Three broad categories of people.
1: There you go. Much better. See, you said it shorter than me.
0: I think it's funny you said uh, Congress supports the economic deciders. I don't think Congress yeah, like like,
1: <laughs> they're I, in that group. that's true yeah, I'd, say, dec-
0: I'd say in extreme cases, Senators and representatives the the Congress can influence the outcome of an acquisition. but you're probably talking about billion dollar acquisitions there, or if you're not talking billions of dollars, you're talking small projects specifically for that member of Congress's district. But since we're talking about how decisions are made and who makes the decision, it's good to go all the way to the top of that chain where it could end up with Congress. Or it could start with Congress, not really end up with them. Let's focus this around the FAR as usual. FAR time. FAR 7.105 is the contents of written acquisition plans. If you're talking about how is the decision made, this is the start. Subparagraph B of 7.105 has 21 decisions, air quotes here, that need to be made in order to get to a contract award or really in order to release an RFP or an RFQ.
1: That, that leads to a contract award. Right, right. And an important distinction here is that part of the 7.105, that list of 21 questions, it's not about just competing the contract. It's not about whether or not it's done a certain way. It's all of that. So it could be a sole, the decision could be a sole source award to an 8A company that is the result of what those 21 elements are in FAR 7.105. And while 7.105 is only actually required for, I believe it's contracts over a million dollars, the basic principles apply in every acquisition that's made. So knowing those rules is going to help you understand how the decision is made overall. We talked about these 21 elements that are listed out in 7.105 in the FAR in a series that we did about qualifying opportunities. It was uh, episodes 182, 187 and 191, where we dug into the elements of the RFP score, which is our assessment tool that's based on FAR
0: 7.105. When we're talking about FAR 7.105, what does that have to do with decision making? Well, you can shape, you as an industry, can shape any or, or all of these decisions that are being made in your favor. And, and what kind of decisions are they? What are we talking about here? Decisions like, will this be set aside for small business? Will it be competed or will it be issued as a sole source? What, what type of contract will be used? What source selection procedures will be used? Is it FAR Part 15 type procedures, 13.5? We talked about those in other episodes as well. Even what type of evaluation criteria will be used for the source selection? You can shape those by talking to the government acquisition team and explaining why it makes sense to do things that, that are essentially in your favor. But you need to be in on that process early. After the RFP is released, it's too late to try to shape the decisions that lead to the
1: award. And that's because by the time the RFP is released, those decisions are made. As a contracting officer, if you come back to me after I release the RFP and say, hey, can you set this aside for a small business or can you not set this aside for a small business? I already got that approved. <laughs> that wasn't something I just did in the vacuum. I'm pretty unlikely to change it. And so that's how understanding how the decisions are made or when they're made is a key factor here.
0: Since we're talking about getting in early and the timing here, let's talk about the time zones, the acquisition time zones and the execution time zones. This isn't on the execution side. This is pre-award that we're talking about the government's award decision-making process. During the market research zone, this is where a lot of these early conversations that are shaping the acquisition plan need to happen. During the RFP zone, there's a certain back and forth that can happen. There's some questions that can be asked, but it starts to become more limited. And the source selection zone is where the government makes the decision and you as industry either reap the benefits of your shaping activities or
1: you don't win and get anything at all. (laughs) You find out all the stuff that your competitors were doing that you didn't know about.
0: (laughs) Right, right. The source selection zone, though, has clamped down on that communication and it's a lot more difficult to... Get things changed in your favor by then.
1: And if you're new to the podcast, the acquisition time zones are covered in episode number three.
0: Let's move on to why this is important. Why should the government care about industry understanding the decision-making process?
1: Because if industry understands how the government's going to make that award decision, they're less likely to protest for one because they understand the rules of the acquisition. And they can also see that you did what you said you were going to do because they could see it coming and they can realize they lost fair and square. They can learn from it. They can, and they may, honestly, they may learn that they don't want to bid for your agency again, <laughs> but they're going to learn, right? That's what you need. You need people to feel like they learned something, even if they lost versus they just you know, threw a dart and it missed and hope it wasn't an expensive dart.
0: Industry is also more likely to focus their outreach. Those, those phone calls and emails and drop-ins, they're more likely to focus that on the government people who are actually involved in the acquisition, if the government has done a good job of explaining how they're going to make the award decision and, and who's, who's involved. So you can cut down on a lot of the chatter that goes on a lot of the distractions
1: if you're clear about who is part of the process. An industry is more likely to self-eliminate if they understand that they can't win based on the rule set that, that you put out. So if you clearly explain this is how the decision is going to be made, And they look at that and go, I can't win under those conditions. That's how the decision is made. It's and it can't, it's not something I can win. They're probably not going to bother bidding. That is good from the government's perspective, because the fewer proposals you get of people who are just throwing those big expensive darts, the better.
0: From the industry side, this is where the whole question came from, which you know started with how do I get to the decision maker? And we kind of pulled it back to how is the decision made, and who are the decision makers before you just start trying to get to people. Remember that in the majority of award decisions, the contracting officer is the decision maker. The decision maker is often called the source selection authority, but in small acquisitions, it's generally the contracting officer that is making that decision and then signing the contract.
1: And keep in mind, they're not making this decision in a vacuum. Even though they're making that decision... They're influenced, sometimes greatly influenced, but all the other people around them. So it's not like they're making this, this decision all on their own.
0: Even if it's just a buy where they're looking for the lowest price, where it's a, a simple type acquisition, meet the requirements, lowest price wins. The other people that you were just talking about are the ones who set up the requirements that you have to meet. So that that is the influence on who can win before the request for bid is even released.
1: Who can win? That's a whole other podcast episode. (laughs) That's a good thought. We'll we'll leave that alone for now.
0: In larger acquisitions, someone higher up the chain than the contracting officer is usually the source selection authority. But the identity of that person, the SSA, is not usually explicitly announced because they don't want all the influence. They don't want people pounding on the general's door and trying to get his or her attention and therefore influencing the outcome of the acquisition. That being said, if you understand your customer's org chart and the agency's specific policies around source selections, you can usually figure out who the source selection authority is. What I mean is, if the policy says that above $50 million, the program executive officer is the source selection authority, you can look at the org chart. They're usually published online, and you can see exactly who the PEO is, and then you know who the SSA is. Unless they're able to delegate that authority, which they are in some cases, and then you're back to guessing who it might be. But still, the org chart should lead you to who the possible decision makers are, usually not delegated more than a level or so.
1: And the fact is, if you don't target, you're not going to have the time to invest in figuring out what that org chart is for that individual agency, for that individual opportunity. That's why targeting is so critical on top of this, because if you ask, who's the decider? But you don't have time to actually talk to the right decider. You're just gonna spam people and you know use that really cool MailChimp feature. If you can hit five hundred emails at a time, it's not gonna get you anywhere.
0: Yeah, if you haven't targeted and and learned the customer organization, you can't possibly understand who all of the potential decision makers are in the government, let alone in an agency. <laughs> Good point. I'm gonna circle back to shaping. We talked about the twenty-one Subparagraphs of FAR 7.105 that that build the acquisition plan that that are shaping opportunities. It's very difficult to shape something perfectly. You have to remember your competitors are shaping too, and they are shaping things in their favor. In the end, the government is going to decide what they want to buy and how they want to buy it, and they're going to publish that in a final request for proposal. The final RFP may not say exactly what you need it to say to make your company eschew in to win. You have to adapt to what it says.
1: That follows right along with with the 80-20 rule. The 80% relationship, 20% process, or 80% process, 20% relationship. Even when you're on the far end of one of those, let's say it's 80% relationship and 20% process, the process can still make it impossible for the government to award to you if their decision process That they have laid out doesn't match with what you do
0: yeah they may have already decided in their minds that there's a company that is best suited that they would like to win and if you're that company that's great unless you submit your proposal late (laughs) or you fail to answer the questions related to one of the major evaluation criteria the government may want to award to you but just can't based on the proposal you submit that's why we talk about the 80 20 thing
1: or if your price is 50% too high, and I again, I'm raising my hand because this happened, and the users really wanted this company to win, but I couldn't make the leap. I can make the leap 15%, 20% maybe, but 50 I couldn't get there from here.
0: No matter how good of a relationship you have, there's always some process in there. All right, so we haven't covered how do I get to the decision maker, but we covered a couple of the questions that you need to be able to answer before you decide how to get to the decision maker. It starts with understanding how the decision is made. That gets you to who the deciders are. Then you have to tackle how to actually get their ear, which we're not going to do today. Let's wrap this one up.
1: On the government side, you actually want industry to understand how the decision is made. Don't hide it. Because if you hide it, then they're going to go looking for the decider, in quotes. And that's how you end up with them talking to everybody out of the sun, just trying to influence everything everywhere instead of understanding who are the people that you want them to talk to when you want them to talk to them so they can actually influence the acquisition being done effectively. On the industry side, a good place to start is look at how this was bought last time and then work backwards. What's changed? What hasn't changed? That will help you understand how the decision is going to be made if you can see how the decision was made last time. That's actually one of the things that Skyway helps our members with.
0: All right, we've driven this one all the way around the block. Before you decide to get to the person you think is the decision maker, make sure you understand how that decision is made and who the deciders are. All right, Kevin, I'll talk to you later.
1: I'll see you, Paul. Okay, that's
0: it for today. If you enjoyed the podcast, we invite you to check out the Skyway community at skywaymember.com. The SkyWay community is the essential resource for anyone at any stage of starting, growing, and running a business with government contracts. We speak GovCon. Whether you're brand new to GovCon, just got your first contract, or you're already a successful government contractor, being a SkyWay community member will guide you to the next level. With our extensive blog library, monthly training, exclusive member discounts, access to tools, and supportive and active peers to help you along the way, the SkyWay community is the perfect place for anyone looking to thrive as a government contractor check us out at skywaymember.com. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week.